John chapter 6 is where we'll be tonight. John chapter 6 is a passage that has a story in it that we're all very familiar with. I can almost guarantee it's one of those passages and one of those stories that um, even from as the youngest child we begin to hear about in church. It's one of those passages to me that every time I read it, the Lord has been so good to show us something different, show me something different, and, and help me not get to the place where I read this passage and go, well, I know this story, I know what God is trying to do, but God continues to show me something else in it. And I was reading through this passage uh, a little while ago, and, and I, I saw a phrase that I've looked at so many times before, a phrase that I've even had the opportunity, not here at Gateway, but in, an, in another place, to, to preach with that phrase being the title. And when I looked at it, God asked me a question, if you will, in a different way when I looked at it, and it kind of caused me to see something that I pray tonight will be a help to us all. John chapter number 6, verse 1, is where we'll begin our reading in this story of Christ feeding the 5,000. And the Bible says this, After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them, uh, them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain And there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Uh, And so we have here in this passage such a beautiful story of God doing something miraculous, something that we've all known. When we think of this passage, we think of the the young boy and his, his small lunch that he had, and we think of what God did there. This is a passage, one of the stories, one of the miracles that is found in all four gospel records. It's a passage that we see through those gospel records and knowing that the Bible tells us in other gospel records that the men was 5,000, not including the women and the children. This is a big deal. Uh, You and I have been in places at times and we get anywhere and if there's uh, 500 people, that's a lot. If there's 5,000 men plus women and children, this is a lot of people. God was going to do something great in this period. In fact, the Bible tells us that he asked Philip a question, waiting to see what his response was, because he knew what he would do. 
Peter says here, well, we have this lad. If you will look with me in verse number uh, 9, it says, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. And then Peter asks a question. In fact, it's a question that Peter is not the only one who asks. Probably the first time that you heard this story, you thought to yourselves the same exact question. This is a question that we all find ourselves asking about ourselves and and our work for the Lord and what could we do for the Lord. And, And we tend to ask this question sometimes without even knowing that we're asking God this very question. Peter in verse 9 looks at God Almighty and he says, But what are they among so many? What are they among so many? I think about that question there and I look at it and think, it's almost impossible to believe that five barley loaves and two small fishes and 5,000 plus women and children... And it's not hard to think, well, well, Peter, you're right. What are they among so many? But as we look at this passage in just a moment, I think we're going to find out that there's more than just five barley loaves and two fishes. We obviously know God is there. But there's some other things in this passage that I think we see that are very crucial, they're pivotal, they're necessary in order for this to have happened. In order to see God move and to see God work, there were three things that we see in this passage that you and I must have. I think if we were to come together and we were to take and ask a question of a show of hands, how many in this room tonight would desire to see God move and work in and through the life of Gateway Baptist Church? We would overwhelmingly say, yes, yes, but what are they among so many? What can we do? How can we reach Clarksville? We're just a small church. If we were to ask the question, uh, how many of you would desire to see revival happen to this nation? How many of you would desire to see God's people stand back up and open their mouths and proclaim with their lips that God is almighty and that he is righteous and he is worthy to be served? We would all say, yes, yes, I want that. I, I desire that. I want to see that happen more than anything else. But we look around And sometimes, especially with Satan, it seems as though we are five small barley loaves and two small fish. It seems like it doesn't matter how hard we work, it doesn't matter what talents we have, it doesn't matter how many of us gather together, it's just too great a task. There's something just too great to be done. Remember, this was a lad's lunch. Some would even say it wasn't even a lunch, it was just a snack for the day. Not not a man's lunch, a lad's lunch. Now, I've seen some little boys who can really put away some food, but this was just a small meal. Peter says, hey, we've got something here, but what does it matter? What good could come of it, if you will? What are they among so many? And God, knowing he would do something new and desire to see something happen. Would you look at me and we'll see the first thing here in verse number 9. These things that I believe if we look in this passage, we can see three distinct things that if you and I will strive to have with God's help in our lives, 
We don't have to ask, what are they so among so many? We can see exactly the outcome. The first thing we see here in verse 9 is what is surrender among so many? What is surrender among so many? Look at verse number 9. The Bible says, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. See, so often what we do is we look at this passage and we focus on the meal. We focus on the fish and the the, the five barley loaves and we focus on that which is there. We focus on the substance. We focus on the tangible, the thing that could be held. But what God focused on was the little boy who surrendered. It was all about the surrendering. It's not about what we have. It's about who God has. See, that's the difference. That's the difference between 5,000 men and women and children plus being fed. That's the difference between God moving and working and seeing revival happen and people just doing a work for God. The difference is surrender. It wasn't about the fish. It wasn't about the meal. It was about that little boy who said, I'll give you everything I've got. And really all I have is me. But you can have me, Lord. I wonder how many Christians in your lives, in our lives personally, have ever said, God, I don't have much to give, but I'll give you myself. Some of you say, yeah, there was a time in my life where I've done that. I I surrendered. I remember uh, going to an altar or I remember being in a camp or I remember sitting in the preaching service and saying to myself, Lord, I surrender everything. Everything you want is yours. Look, Surrender is not a decision that is made once. It's a life that is lived. It's an action of faith, if you will. It's about living out every day, every step, every decision, every moment of our lives, yielded and surrendered to Him. What is surrender among so many? So many decisions that were made that day. So many choices that were made that day. And this one choice of surrendering changed the whole day. Could you imagine if that boy sat down and said, you know what, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. Forget all these other people, they should have had a mama who packed their lunch. Hopefully that little boy said, thank you, thank you God for letting me have a mom who cares about me. You know, he, who knows, he could have went down to the water that day and put his pole or his net into the water and he could have caught those two small fishes that day. And he could have said, no, no, this is my hard work's day. This is, this is what I've worked hard for today, God. This is what I've worked hard for and, and, and this is all that I have and this is for me. And instead what he said is, I'll be surrendered. I'll give it to you. Man, what is surrender among so many? It's amazing to think that we think about talents and we think about abilities. It's often said the best ability is availability. And the truth is, is that the Bible throughout all the scripture continues to remind us and tell us of this one truth. That surrender is key, it's critical, it's crucial to what must happen in the word of God. Because God desires to move in and through us but only through a yielded vessel. Matthew 26, 39 speaks of Christ himself surrendering his own humanity's will to the very will of God when he said, Nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine. 
We see it again in the classic passage of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's surrender. No wonder it's in every great book of the Bible and there's this theme of surrendering our will, our desires to His will. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. But in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Galatians 2.20, if you will, take your Bibles for just a moment and turn there. Galatians 2.20, we see this passage or this theme of surrender once again. It's amazing to me. Even though I came as a 16-year-old boy so many years ago, 20 years ago now, and said, Lord, whatever you want for me, I desire, I surrender to do. And he called me to this glorious work of being able to preach the gospel. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to stand and open the word of God and preach. But it it is amazing to me that every day I wake up and as I get older, I come to the realization that that really is the battle. Who will I surrender to today? Will I surrender to myself? Will I surrender to Satan? Or will I just truly be surrendered to God? Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul writing here says, literally, it is about faith when it comes to this matter of surrender. It is. It's a faith life. It's an action. It's not just a decision we make once. It must be done by faith. You tell me how surrendered you are, and I'll tell you what your view of God is. You tell me how willing you are to go for God, and what you're willing to give up for God, and what you've surrendered for God, and I'll tell you how big you view your God to be. Because a God who is worthy, a God who has done everything, a God who is viewed high and lifted up, there is nothing that we can hold it at expense but to give Him. I ask you this evening, what is surrender among so many? There's a second thing in our passage back in John chapter 6 that I think you'll see. And I think it was, it was essential. You know, we cannot truly give... All that we have unless we've surrendered. But once we've surrendered, there must be obedience. Look with me at verse number 10. The Bible says, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down. That seems really like just blanket obvious to us, right? Make them sit down, they sat down. But what did they do? Well, the disciples obeyed in having the men to sit. And what did the men do? They obeyed in being sat down. But this had to be done. This was essential for this to happen, for this story to happen, for the feeding to be done in the way that God desired it to be done. There had to be obedience. There had to be obedience. You know, obedience is not a burden that we carry around. I think there's times in our life Especially from Satan, we hear that obedience is a burden and we imagine it as the old 
ball and chain, if you will, that we're dragging everywhere we go is that obedience to God, that reminder that we have to be obedient to God. And everything we do, we have to be obedient to God. And here's this ball and chain we drag around that is obedience to God. And let me gather it up as I go over here so that it can remind me that it is obedience to God. But that's not what obedience is. Obedience is the pleasant opportunity to be able to express to an almighty, worthy, righteous God that you are worthy to be obeyed. You deserve obedience because of who you are and what you've done. And I have no other way but to express it with joyful obedience. It's been said in times past that we obey not in order to receive, but because of what we've received. It's the absolute truth. You ever thought about this? You give your kids something, ice cream or such and such or whatever it may be, and then you turn around and ask them to do something? Man, they're ready to to be a whole lot. I'm not saying bribe your kids, but you understand what I'm saying. There's been times they're a whole lot more willing to obey at a moment's notice. They're, They're ready to do it. And you know what happens so often in our Christian lives is that we get to the point where God asks us to do something and we turn a blind eye to all the things he has already done. We live that, what have you done for me lately, God, kind of life. We talked about it Sunday morning. He's pulled us out of a place. He's brought us somewhere. The Bible says, He set my feet upon a rock. Pulled me out of the miry clay. And I don't know about you. I know there's times in my life where I have have missed out on this important thing of obedience. But all I desire to do is what God has for me to do. What is obedience among so many? What is obedience among so so many? The Bible speaks of this obedience in so many passages of Scripture and how, in fact, that it was essential for success in so much. Joshua 1.8, we know that it says that in there where it talks about and whatsoever you are doing all that is written therein. It talks about that in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 3, Psalm 128, 128, 1, and 1 Samuel 15, 22, and 23 is the great classic passage that we all know when Saul had taken what was not right and was going to keep the sheep and keep some of the things and sacrifice them unto God. And the man of God comes to Saul and says... What is sacrifice in comparison, paraphrasing, to obedience? Let's take our Bibles there to 1 Samuel chapter number 15 and we'll see exactly as it is written in the passage. We could quote it, no doubt all of us could quote it. But to see it and to be reminded exactly of what God said in His Word in 1 Samuel chapter number 15 Verse number 22 and verse number 23. The Bible says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Here it is. Behold, to obey 
is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And God said, it's great to be surrendered. It's great to sacrifice things. But all I desire is obedience. All I desire is obedience. What is obedience among so many? The Bible says in 1 John chapter number 5 and verse 3 that His commandments are not grievous. That word grievous literally means burdensome, full of heavy weight. And I agree wholeheartedly but to say that a surrendered life finds the commandments of God not to be full of burden, but full of freedom. So often in our lives, when we have ourselves seeing something in the Scriptures that we find, and it's a commandment from God, and we say, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. I don't don't know that I'm ready to obey that. And the truth is, is the fact is, it's not a matter of our obedience. What we should first go to is a matter of our surrender. Are we surrendered? Because when we've died to self and we've said, whatever it is you want, God, then guess what we find out to be true? That it's much more easily to say, I'm on it. It's done. You commanded it. I'll do it. What is obedience among so many? What is surrender among so many? Back in John chapter 6, we see a third thing. A third thing here in verse number 11 that I think many of us Love the sound of. Many of us strive to do. But oftentimes we don't do it out of a surrendered and obedient life. Verse number 11, the Bible says, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. What is service among so many. Oh, great. Yes, we serve in our church and in our ministry. We find that place to serve and we try to do what's right. But this service is not a service like anything else. They were all hungry. But imagine it. Two fishes and, and five loaves of bread and you're the one who's passing it out wondering, is there going to be enough left for me? Is there going to be enough left for me? Is there going to be something for me to have? That's not what we see here. Jesus takes and he begins to serve the people and he serves the people through people serving. He takes the disciples and he says, come here, I want you to do something. He didn't say come here and eat. He said, come here and give. See, so often in our lives we serve, yes, but it's not out of a surrendered heart. It may not even be out of an obedient heart. It may be out of a heart of compliance. Well, everybody else is serving in the church, so I had better serve in the church. It may be out of a heart of, well, I I just maybe maybe if I serve, I'll get a little bit of this too. I don't know the motives of the disciples that day. It's not clear. But I do know the motive of Jesus. He had one motive and one motive only. It was that God would be glorified. I ask you this question this evening. What is service? What is obedience? What is surrender among so many? We look outside, if we were to walk out these doors and just go down the street, and if we just could 
could have a glimpse, just a moment as we drove by, to look in the houses and see each and every soul in these houses, mothers and fathers and children and grandparents, people who are on their way to a devil's hell, and they look like they they could care less about everything about God, and and there may be some there that know Christ as a Savior but are away from God, and, and we look and we drive, we would begin to be burdened with the fact of what is there so much work to be done? How can it be done? I'm simply, we look at ourselves as just a lad's lunch. Something so small. Something so meaningless. But the truth is, is that it wasn't about the fish. It was all about the master. It's not about the disciples. It's not about the people sitting there. It's all about God. My question tonight is simply this. Are you surrendered? Are you obedient? And are you serving? Because the truth is, among so many, a life surrendered, wholly given to God, a a life obedient and obeying God with a joyful heart and desire to see Him move, and a life given to service for the cause of Christ because of what he's done. It's the difference. It is the story. And when we have these three things, we see the outcome. Look with me in verse 14 very quickly of John chapter number 6. Then... You know, I I love these small words that we look over sometimes in the Bible. Then. What happened in the story? What was the outcome? What what was the cause of surrender? And what was the cause of obedience? And what was the, 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 the outcome of all these things? What did it cause? What did it affect? Then. Those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said... This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. That passage there speaks of Deuteronomy chapter number 5 where God prophesied that the Messiah would come and that he would be both prophet and king and that he would proclaim forth the truth. And they came to the understanding that day God was right and there is a prophet He is standing in front of us. You want to know what happens when we live lives that are surrendered, lives that are obedient, lives of service? Other people come to know to see the Savior because they see a difference. Go back into your life. Think about that moment where you came to know Christ as your Savior. I guarantee you, if you look, there was someone that day who had surrendered their will to the Lord's will. They were just be obedient to the great command of go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And they were serving you and serving God when they said, come know Christ. Someone's looking for you to serve God today. Someone's looking for you to be obedient to God today. Someone's looking for you to surrender. But what are they among so many? It's the glory of God. That's what they are. It brings God to the place where he can receive the glory.
heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray in just a moment. No doubt there's many in this room that have said, I'm surrendered. I, I gave my life to whatever the Lord wanted many, many years ago. That's great. Have you done it today? Has your life been surrendered today? Have you been obedient today? Are you serving Him today? Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this passage. Lord, when we look at it, may we look at it just differently and not see fishes and loaves, but may we see You ready, desiring to move and desiring to work. And may we strive to have lives surrendered, lives obedient, lives serving, so that You can receive the glory and the honor for